0: Welcome to episode 31 of Have a Blessed Gay, your spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host and your host with a hole, Tyler Martin. And I am so stoked to share my very first live podcast episode with you. I had a 16 ounce Red Bull right before we went live at the Q Christian Conference, and baby, you can tell I was hyped. If you have not already, this is the time when I asketh you to subscribeth and leaveth a quick review. I cannot tell you how helpful reviews are, so if you do enjoy the podcast, it truly does greatly help out the podcast. So thank you in advance. Also, as always, I freaking love hearing from you. I connected with a few listeners this past week, which was amazing. I do personally respond to emails and DMs and love meeting you all. Hearing about your journeys, your questions, why you think you've been constipated so much these past few days. I love it all. Well, most of it. So never hesitate to reach out. And speaking of constipation... I hope the last episode worked as a laxative and relieved any spiritual constipation you may have been experiencing. Talking about that good old feeling of spiritual fluidity. It's actually been a blast talking about that episode with people, and it so beautifully segues into today's topic. It's almost as if I planned it that way. Today, we are chatting about Christian privilege. (laughs) Stop, stop, stop. Don't get too excited now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for those who do not know, Christian privilege is a thing. But first, before we get into that, we gotta know what the hell is privilege? Privilege is a right, immunity or benefit enjoyed by a specific person or restricted group of people beyond the advantages of the majority. So Philippa, how about you pull back that curtain and let's see what we got back there. We have the newest iPhone, pumpkin spice lattes, a bundle of HBO Max and Disney Plus. But that's not all. We are going to create specific legislation in our government so you succeed over others without having to try at all. And this could all be yours if you believe in what we want you to believe in and if you have a specific skin color. Back to you, Tyler. So basically, privilege is having advantages over other people being able to participate and be a part of elitist culture. And because of that, privilege is also when something becomes idealistic. We're talking like back in the day with Razor cell phones, okay? Now, how does this exactly translate into Christianity? And why am I specifically picking on Christianity? Well, because we live in America. And America is oozing with Christian privilege. If you want to learn more about America's history surrounding Christianity, specifically surrounding our government and the lack of separation between church and state, definitely listen to episode 17 of the podcast if you have not already. I take a deep dive into the history of how we got here in this mess. And yeah, we're in a mess. A few minutes before we went live at the Q-Christian conference, I received a message from my guest, Brandon Robertson. You see, he lives a few blocks from the Capitol and wanted to warn me of the possibility that he might need to evacuate. As we were gearing up to go live, the attack on the Capitol was underway. Christian privilege was terrorizing the Capitol as we were discussing Christian privilege. I mean, tell me that ain't divine timing. It was already a controversial subject going in, but knowing that was happening as we were talking about it, it added some more weight. There is some debate whether the events that took place that day should be labeled as a terrorist attack, but it makes me wonder, would there be that same debate if it had not been a huge wooden cross mounted in front of the Capitol, but some other religion symbol? Would there be that same debate if the majority of those people had not been white? The attack was fueled by white supremacy, and also fueled by Christian supremacy. Being Christian doesn't make anyone better than or more holy. Being Christian doesn't make anyone morally superior. And being Christian does not mean you cannot be a terrorist. Those misconceptions, that superiority, that very privilege is what I wish to bring attention to. We're awful about discussing privilege, much less religious privilege. It's two often very uncomfortable subjects, getting together, having sexy time without a condom, and then creating some epic intimidating clusterfuck for us to undo. Yeah, it's definitely not 100% giggles, but we gotta do it. And you know, this is actually one of the more, if not the most, controversial episodes of this podcast. But One I am really proud of, it was not the easiest topic to take into a Christian conference. Christians, stereotypically anyway, are known for being prideful, and so to call out privilege to bring attention to it is slightly intimidating. But that shit fuels me. Knowing that it is intimidating means it needs to be talked about, everyone in america whether they are christian or not is affected by christian privilege so we gotta talk about it and speaking of privilege i had the privilege to have brandon robertson come along for the ride this is a different format than you are used to on this podcast our discussion is very loose more open and back and forth since it was not an interview we're having fun. We're playing around. It's 2021, you know. Brandon is a podcast alum. We adore him. He is an author, activist, and theologian working at the intersections of spirituality and social renewal. The author or contributing author to count them, 12 books on spirituality, justice, and theology. Named by the Human Rights Campaign as one of the top faith leaders leading the fight for human rights, he has worked with political and social leaders around the world to end conversion therapy and promote LGBTQ rights. I was thrilled to chat with him about this crucial and important topic, and I cannot wait for you to listen. And to save some time, I cut out the introductions we did, and it begins as we are starting to discuss... Privilege. So get ready to jump right in. Get hyped, y'all. Down those 16 ounce Red Bulls, put on your thong, and throw some damn glitter in the air. Cause little baby angel, we're gonna talk about Christian privilege. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at BetterHelp.com slash Blessed Gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy! It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash blessedgay.
1: Uh, I just watched on the news a group of uh, terrorists essentially putting up a cross in front of the Capitol building, which is exactly what we're talking about. The idea that uh, these people believe because they're Christians, they have this right um, to demand their will be done um, in the name of God. And so they're doing what they're doing at the Capitol right now. But those are kind of extreme examples privilege also manifests itself in so many much subtler ways
0: yeah i think we we see privilege all the time and we might not call it privilege but even in little ways like a fun one that i thought of was the fast pass when you go to an amusement park as you're walking by all the peasants who are in a line and you just get to pass waltz by them that's privilege you're not at the same level with those people. Yeah?
1: Totally. That's such that's <laughs> such a good metaphor. It is.
0: Like that um, is that is that is privilege. And I I think of all the things like growing up. I grew up poor. And so I think of like all the things that like I wanted as a as a kid or like that I um I wanted to be a part of. And I think that's kind of the weird thing about privilege is that you kind of want to be a part of it, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's and that's the privilege is complex in that regard because it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's not necessarily bad to have privilege. Usually, the problem is the exploiting of that privilege and the systems that give you the privilege mm. is where the problem is. So, it's like everyone, be, a certain group of people being given an easy pass at the amusement park because of their skin color or religion or some arbitrary standard. Um, that's not fair. And it is disadvantaging all the other people who can't access that because of their skin color or religion or whatever it might be. And so it's not wrong to have an easy pass, but uh, if we're going to have easy passes, they should be accessible equally to all people, if that's the kind of world we want to live in.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Really going into Christian privilege, specifically, I do think people uh, can be confused what Christian privilege is, what it looks like, because I know I have personally talked to a lot of Christians who genuinely don't get it, they don't understand, um, they don't see it, but it is very apparent in this country if you look for just a second, <laughs> it really doesn't take okay. much work to realize that there are, there's a ton of privilege in this country, starting with some funny ones. I know you come from a Baptist background. I come from a Church of Christ background, so I'm sure we have some funny ones <laughs> with Christian privilege. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is like saving people. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> are we saviors?
1: Honestly, I used to do that stuff every week in my Baptist church. We would go downtown to Baltimore. And even though theologically we have ways of talking about it to get us off the hook and not make us seem like saviors, you're right. There's such a pressure on so many conservative Christians in particular to get out and convert people, which obviously there's a lot of arrogance with that because you're assuming that Mm -hmm. every other perspective is lesser than yours and that God needs you to do yeah. the work of getting the message to people. Like it's, it is it is laughable. It's insane. It's yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's going off of the idea that there is one true religion, which the idea of that that, that is a privileged idea that we are part yeah. of. We are yeah. the one, the only. That is like the most absurd idea. Even though Christianity was not the first religion, it was not the second. It was not the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Yet somehow, somehow people are like, no, but this, this is the one. And I am a part of that one. And there is such a badge of honor that comes with that.
1: Totally. Yeah, I've been kind of being re-exposed to that on, I've been on TikTok for the past four months. It's <laughs> yes, new to me. Yes, you have. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> these conservative Christian high schoolers are so, it, they remind me of what I was like when I was a fundamentalist high schooler, but just again, such a narrow view of believing that at 16 years old, you've got all of the answers to life's biggest questions that humans have been speculating about for thousands of years figured out, and you are responsible for coming on uh, TikTok and telling people that I'm I'm dangerous or whoever is da- like it's one, I feel bad for them. It's so much pressure, it's so like it takes up so much time, but also it's not going to serve them well. It's so destructive. And it, it it's what creates division, like we're seeing in this moment of our world's history.
0: Oh, yeah. At least with TikTok, you have like some fun graphics to look at while they're yelling hate at you, you know?
1: But totally. um,
0: <laughs> I remember <laughs> as a kid, uh, something being tossed around a lot was, I am an upstanding Christian man, or an upstanding Christian woman. And that meant that you were a good person. And yeah. I think like that is such a a pinpoint of how I witnessed Christian privilege as a child. Even I remember one time we were at, uh, we were like getting the car fix and uh, the mechanic, my dad was talking to the mechanic and somehow Christianity came up. We got a discount, Brandon. Because- yeah we were holier people because of the word Christian. And y'all that's Christian privilege.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And I feel like that's so many people's experiences, especially in cities and towns um, like many in our country that are still so deeply um, Christian in the sense that most of the population is conservative Christian. Like there is, I mean, you can see this, that we segregate literally geographically in a lot of towns across this country between the Muslims and the Sikhs stay over there. And the Christians kind of have free reign as if this is our country, our town, our world, which by the way, all of this, I think it's very Christian, but it's not very Christ-like. Um, mm. the, the idea of Christianity was not something Jesus even knew of. And so the fact that we have these identities about being Christian and like you said, holier than thou, the idea is that you are essentially ritually more pure than other people, which is something the New Testament talks a lot about. Um, Just because you do the right things, go to the right church, believe the right things doesn't make you better in God's eyes. And yet we certainly use that as a way to make ourselves feel better than anyone who doesn't. Along to our way of doing things in the world,
0: no, i I just talked about actually, in the last episode, if Jesus came along walking along the street today, conservative Christians would hate Jesus. They would absolutely hate Jesus. Jesus would be everything that they despise out of a person. He Uh, liberal to the max. uh, uh, It's such a rebel, such a rebel, a radical. Uh, That word is extreme and it is fitting for Jesus. He was a radical and he still would be a radical because we really haven't progressed that much (laughs) as far as humanity goes since that point.
1: Yeah. And I think Christianity uh, to get super nerdy for a second i think christianity is to blame for that right like yeah jesus started a socio-political spiritual revolutionary movement he was executed by the empire because he was a threat to the empire and within 300 years the empire had co-opted jesus's message and turned it into a religion called christianity constantine um, literally a state official it would be like president trump taking some radical Revolutionary's message and saying, okay, I'm going to now use it and create a religion and beliefs and rituals around it. And the message was forever diluted. It became Christianity looks nothing like Jesus who said, sell all you have and give to the poor. How many Christians do you know that do that? And yet the words of the Bible couldn't be clearer. There's no other interpretation. And that's even for me, like I am not a good follower of Jesus, but uh, I'm, I'm trying at least to get in that direction rather than using religion as a cop-out to actually not have to follow in the way of Jesus.
0: I do think that we have to consider the history. I am also a history buff. I I love it so much. Um, episode 17 of Have a Gay. I talked about the separation of church and state, really looking at America and it's Christianity is everywhere. It is literally in on our money and God yeah. we trust. Like we hand God and these <sighs> Christian ideas around on paper. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that anyone can't see how <laughs> this nation is oozing with Christian privilege is a little shocking. And I think that's important to look at because kind of like what you're saying, like the institution itself, even something like police, Well, we have to look at the history of how it was created, right? Okay, so it was created, seeped in racism. Therefore, can that entity not be racist? I don't know. I don't know if it actually can be because it started out of racism. Therefore, can Christianity not be this supremacy on high? I don't know. I don't know if yeah. it's
1: actually possible not to be. Yeah, I think I think there's a good distinction that you draw. I think I don't know if Christianity, the religion, can be rescued from Christian privilege. I but the question for me, now living in DC, like engaged in politics and in this moment of our history, I think is: can our country uh remove and root out Christian privilege? And I actually I'm I'm hopeful because. America, from our founding, was never actually Christian. Our founding fathers were theistic. Some of them were Christian, but just because we use Christian language, God and things like that, um, I was, again, watching this morning, uh, the Senate certify the vote, and In God We Trust was hanging over Nancy Pelosi's head. And it's the idea, like, I don't think, honestly, in America that exists 20 years from now, we'll still find that acceptable. Uh, Because there's such a majority, not a majority, but a growing number of people in our country that are agnostic and atheists. And how are we going to be a truly pluralistic country if we continue to privilege those who believe in a God? Um, And and yeah.
0: I completely agree. And even we see it, like you said, above her head. And even in the actions of politicians. And I think that's actually what's scariest is politicians using Christianity as a weapon. Uh, Even Trump, who is literally the least Christian person on this planet, someone who doesn't even like claim Christianity is way more Christian (laughs) than Trump could ever be probably. But even still, he grabbed that Bible. He stood in front of that church. And he had a little op moment with the news. A few yeah. months back, and no one can tell me that that moment would have been as effective if he had been holding the Quran, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. or if he had been holding any other religious text other than a Christian religious text. He was proving a point with it. Um, he was mm-hmm. using it to his advantage, and you know something that Trump is good at is knowing his audience. Mm-hmm. And so I think that tells us something. If that, if yeah. if someone who isn't really Christian at all thinks like, "Hey, a good idea is to stand in front of this Christian church and hold this Christian Bible and say a thing or two that means absolutely nothing," then I don't. I think there's something to gain as an audience from that. Being like, "Okay, that that Bible means something in this society," right?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that is the image of Christian privilege, like. There's nothing more perfect to show than the president of the United States holding up a Bible, especially when the president is a man who in his own life says things that are antithetical, like you said, to the way of Jesus. I mean, Donald Trump has many, many times said, I don't need to ask for forgiveness because I don't make mistakes. It doesn't fit in this paradigm, no matter how liberal or conservative you are. Um, and and you're right. I think it would be, it's a, a funny thought experiment to think what would happen if a president held up a Quran If that happened, they would be called terrorists. Islamophobia would come out, which shows that the fabric of our nation is privileged Mm -hmm. towards Christianity, and that privilege is built on the oppression of our Muslim siblings and our Jewish siblings and so many other faiths that are represented in our country.
0: Something going off of that that I, I find really fascinating about privilege within Christianity is the idea that a Christian could go and shoot up a building. And they would not represent Christianity. Hmm. The news stations would not call them a Christian terrorist. But if that same person, same person, same incident, everything they practice, they were part of Islam, they would then therefore be the spokesperson for Islam. Hmm. We don't get that, though, with Christianity. You don't watch the news and there isn't a person, a bad person representing
1: Christianity. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah. Not to keep beating this drum, but I continue to hear the sirens at the Capitol out my window. And 99.9% of the people that are down the street right now at the Capitol identify as a Christian and they identify proudly as a Christian. And um, they were provoked by Christian leaders. And yet... Right now you have people like megachurch pastors I was just seeing on Twitter uh, saying that these protesters need to go away, what they're doing is not Christian, and yet they're the ones who have stoked this moment. And the media is not calling them terrorists, even though they're literally trying to overthrow the government, which is something we've never seen in modern American history. But again, that's Christian privilege, that is white privilege, that is all sorts of levels of privilege. and. It, I mean, we've all seen the images, I'm sure, on Twitter right now. When Black Lives Matter was here six months ago or four months ago, we had the National Guard out front of all of the monuments so no one could get near them. A bunch of white Trump supporters walk down the road with their crosses and Bibles and break through the Capitol, and the police are just standing there and allow them to do it. I mean, this is a crazy moment to be alive, but it also is exposing how much work we have to do, especially if we claim to follow Jesus, we have to find ways to disavow our privilege and to use it to help lift up those people who are being oppressed and suppressed because of it.
0: It's so, oh, it makes me, it makes me like skin crawl. I get so angry about it. And I get so, especially since we are <laughs> at this queer conference talking about LGBTQ issues too, yeah. I, I find it so frustrating that when same-sex marriage was on the table and was on the table for many years, the arguments against it, almost 100% were Christian-based. Yeah. That is privilege because even the judges of the court took the values of a Christian person and put it above the values of every other person in this country. Because the, the kicker is that I could go in And I could say, well, my religion believes in same-sex marriage.
1: And people did.
0: (laughs) Many people tried that. And they said, don't care. Because Christian values say that it's a man and a woman. And I do want to be clear, too, since I am like kind of bashing Christians, I feel like sometimes in this, like you, I use the word loosely, and I use it with a lot of dynamics and a lot of, um, there's a lot of meaning and, and nuance to the word for me. But just to yeah. be clear, I'm not anti-Christian anyone. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm pro-Jesus. Uh,
1: yeah. And, but I think it's so important because uh, I, I, I get a lot of, on TikTok, a lot of people saying like, why are you spending all your time bashing Christians? And it's like, yeah. we are the very people who should be if we are following Jesus, me as somebody who is leading an institution of Christian, like, Uh, We are the ones to critique uh, this movement, and if there's going to be reform, it has to come from within. And I think that's something QCF is doing so well. I think so Mm -hmm. many of us here watching right now are probably a part of churches that might not be LGBT inclusive, but your presence there is what helps to bring reformation. It's what helps to actually bring the reform that we need. And um, I think these are the conversations, if we're going to take Jesus seriously, we've got to be having because... Again, Jesus' context as a Jewish religious figure, Jesus spent so much time critiquing his own tradition. He would look at the Hebrew Bible and say, this is what you think it says, and here's what I'm telling you it says. And they're radically different things. Um, And it got him in trouble. And so uh, if we're being faithful Christians, we should be critiquing our tradition and probably getting in trouble for it. So if you're not a heretic, you're probably not doing it right.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Some other examples, just I I really do want to paint a picture of how it affects even our everyday lives in America, Uh, holidays. Yeah. This This is a big one, actually. All of the major Christian holidays are national holidays. Yeah. And not every other religion gets that. It is Christianity that gets all of their holidays recognized on a national level. That is major.
1: It is. And I mean... I remember back when I was in elementary school, we had um, two young Muslim girls who were in my class and their family, it was part of kind of their religious practice. Every Friday they would go to the mosque and pray, but the time to pray was during the school day. And so I remember there was a whole controversy about them needing the ability to go practice their religion, which required this of them, and all the laws and rules about how long a child must be in school, and could they actually leave school early every day, yet we get a week off for Christmas, a week or two (laughs) off for Easter, Um, and I think, I mean it's those, again it's subtle, and they might even seem laughable, but if you're, if you for a second can put uh, yourself in the shoes of somebody of a minority religion, like not even the big ones, but think about if you're part of the Baha'i faith, you don't have a choice other than to be absent from school or take off work and you might get in trouble for that. You will lose money for that. You could get fired for that if you consistently have to do that. Um, But Christians, we never have to think about that or worry about that in the United States at least.
0: No, it's it's such a big one. It's such a big one and it's one that really annoys me (laughs) because even what's even uh, so kind of funny about the whole idea is that Uh, sure we have Easter but that's actually so secular I feel like now for a lot of people you know so like we have this like Christian holiday where we get to like take off for stuff and it's like hunting for eggs or we get to take off for Christmas and um, I, I just made a Christmas episode and really diving into the history of Christmas it's like so sad and not really about Jesus at all spoiler alert, it's not really about Jesus, yeah. everyone, but, and we get off just to give each other gifts. Like, it's the most absurd thing. Like, it's it, like, are they really like spiritual holidays even? Yeah. It,
1: yeah. I, I mean, know. not anymore. And you're right. I think, I mean, for us to have national observances and to claim that they're religiously rooted is disingenuous. Um, and I mean, honestly, we should just do all the holidays. Wouldn't it be nice if we just recognized all the holidays? We all got off work all the time. All the
0: time. (laughs) It'd be so amazing. And I do, I also do want to make it clear that especially when talking about politics and Christianity, something that people get really uptight about, uh, conservative Christians specifically, is that they are then saying, it's 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 an attack it's a a war on christmas it's a Mm. you're attacking my christianity therefore i cannot publicly be christian anymore because x y and z you can be religious that's not in question and you might lose some privilege and i think that's actually what people are seeing is that are they losing something maybe but it's privilege it's not equality they're not losing equality so um, it's it's just like when you're looking at like the me too movement or anything like that like men yeah they lost some things <laughs> for sure when stuff started coming out they lost some things yeah. they weren't allowed to slap someone on the ass at work yeah but they shouldn't have ever been allowed to slap someone's ass at work that shouldn't that's not a that's not an equal normal thing that's privilege and so like sure yeah. uh people might be losing some things but they're only losing privilege not not equality and not being able to openly and proudly say who and what they worship.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think to go politically again, like this was what we were all talking about when Trump won four years ago this idea that it was a backlash from a bunch of white, uh, usually middle class or rich uh, folks um, who felt that if more progressive people continue to press an agenda that said we need to have uh, basic rights for everyone, including healthcare, or, or even now we're talking about universal basic income, thing that would ha- things that would help make people's lives more equal, um, that feels like you're losing something, right? Because that might mean you get taxed more so that more people can have the basic money they need to live. But again, the question is, what are we striving to move towards as a society or as people of faith? Are we trying to create a world where we and our people, our tribe, Are the ones who prosper and everybody else is kind of uh, basically used as a mechanism to get us what we need in order to flourish? Or do we want to see a world where all people stand equal, where all people have equal opportunity, all people have a right to live and life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, all those things? Those are the visions that we're always competing with. And Mm -hmm. if you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, There is no question. Uh, The book of Revelation ends with a beautiful image of every nation, tribe, people, tongue, sexuality, gender, religion, standing on an equal footing around the throne of God. And that's where we should be trying to push things uh, in society, in our communities, in our churches. um, And that requires that we do some wrestling with the idea of privilege.
0: I, I think it is interesting, especially for us, being gay and wanting to claim the label Christian as well. It's such an odd, again, like the idea of wanting privilege. Like it's nice to be, it's nice to be in the popular group. Right. And with that though, history has told us that we are lesser than when it comes to Christianity, that we may not be welcome um, because of our queerness and secularly speaking, again, that other definition of Christian. And so I think it really complicates things because I might not feel privileged as a Christian in certain aspects. And I might actually feel put down as a Christian in like the queer community or even within the church, both sides fighting against me being a part of their group. And so it's an odd sensation because yes, I might be privileged but then also I have major disadvantages, it feels like at the same time.
1: So to live with both of those is so strange. Yeah, I mean, it's a mind boggling thing and I'm sure so many of us have been asked by friends and passerbys about why in the world as LGBT folks, would you want to be a part of this thing that has been (laughs) so oppressive towards you and people like you. And uh, there's not a good answer. My answer, for instance, I had a conversion experience. I encountered something I know as Jesus. I can't do anything other than try to follow that. But I think the queer community is right to be a little bit skeptical when us uh, LGBT Christians walk in the room because it's, I'll go biblical nerd for a second. It's like the Apostle Paul who used to kill Christians converts to Christianity. And when that happened, people are like really skeptical. What are you doing here? Like, How can you go from being somebody who hated us to now wanting to lead us and be a part of us, I think the queer community feels that way a lot towards LGBT Christians. Like, how can you claim to be openly gay, but also a part of this religion, which clearly says that homosexuality is sinful? Um, and I think you're right, we, it doesn't feel like privilege, but LGBT Christians, we have a responsibility to the yeah. queer community to help um, deconstruct the way that Christianity has been so promoted in our society and show them that the way of Jesus actually has nothing to do with the religion called Christianity, but it's actually this subversive social movement that does, I think, align really well with the queer rights movement throughout history and the struggle for racial justice and the struggle for women's equality. I think all of that is in alignment with the actual teachings and social uh, perspective of Jesus even if it's not uh, reflective of Christianity.
0: Totally. And we, I mean, there are plenty of examples of that throughout history of, of Christians doing good things. And for the LGBTQ plus community, no. not all Christians are bad for sure. And throughout time, even in the worst times of Christianity, of course, there were good Christians. It's not one or the other. There is nuance to it all. Something that I, I think about when I get asked that question is... I think I have to break down what religion is then. And really at the heart of religion, all that it is, is just a set of traditions. It is practices, it is rituals that might, might be helpful in finding spirit, whatever that means to you. And when you think of it like that, I think it really demysticizes it and it makes it something approachable. and why I claim Christianity is mainly because I'm used to it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I I love the format because that's what I grew up in. I, I know the format. I know how to act. I know how to be successful in that format. It makes sense to me. And so I'm drawn to it because of that. Also, I do love Jesus. I'm obsessed with the idea and the teachings of that guy. And so, yes, I have that element. But then also, I really love other traditions from other religions i'm super into like tarot right now um like i uh i even got like a spell book the other day which i felt i know i know literally the like the eight-year-old christian in me was like uh, uh," like i'm a sinner and i'm going to hell right this second but um (laughs) like but it's obviously not true and really the what's kind of cool about it is like i actually lit a intention or spell candle the other day And it really reminded me of Christianity, which is just, it's so funny. Like the, the idea that it is packaged so differently, but ultimately there's incense involved, like you would have in a Catholic mass or any traditional service. You have a candle, like you would in any traditional Christian service, you say uh, an intention or prayer like you would in any Christian service. And so literally it is just the packaging that is different. And I think that's really important because we don't have the privilege to pick and choose our sexuality but we do have the privilege to pick and choose what religion and the practices and the rituals that we use yeah and when we choose christian we are choosing that for some reason yeah. cuz yeah. we could appreciate jesus and not be christian
1: yeah totally yeah i think christian supremacy is kind of the uh, the other word that goes with christian privilege and the idea even of us and probably many people watching, uh, having a visceral reaction to Wicca or whatever uh, other version of alternative spiritual practice one might have, like that shows how embedded we have this idea of Christian superiority within our culture. And obviously most of us on here probably grew up in a Christian context. And so even more so, we have these underlying beliefs, even if we don't cognitively believe them anymore, that Christianity is good, it's superior. And witchcraft is evil tarot is evil astrology is evil and the fact that all of us i mean i'm I'm with you i have tarot cards and all my uh rocks and um i'm yeah getting into all of that stuff too it's so fun (laughs) yes and i feel like um there's this deep sense of anxiety while i engage that and that's my own deconstruction that i need to go through um but you're right. I mean, these things are found in every tradition. Why do we think that it's good when it's called Christian? And in fact, I'm sure if you drew Christian pictures on your tarot cards, like it would be less scary. Like there are ways that yes. Christian uh, Christians colonize things all the time to make them good for us. I mean, just look at all the terrible Christian music that came out imitating popular artists like we have this colonizing aspect to our faith where we think if we can label it christian and make it sound or look christian even though it's just the same thing that the secular world is doing then it's somehow good
0: christian music is actually a really good example because we don't have other religious (laughs) music sections on like spotify but we do have a christian one but yeah. we do. Um, well, we're almost to the time that we need to start answering questions. But I do just want to say um, you can tag onto this of, okay, great. We have privilege. Now, what do we do? <laughs> and I think like we've kind of already talked about this, but it is just the idea of what we're doing right now. I think talking about it, I think saying, okay, I have this. And as you said, use it. Yeah. If you have privilege, use it. Use it for something positive. Use it for something good. And it's not necessarily that like you won't or you shouldn't have privilege in a certain area or time, but it is how you use it.
1: Yeah. Again, it's not wrong that you were born in a Christianized country and happen to align with that religion, and therefore you have some benefits. But I'm actually working on a book on this topic right now, and I'm using... Um, the language of Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus being in the form of God, but not considering equality with God, something to be exploited. And the idea there is Jesus had all of the power in the universe. Jesus is God. But when Jesus comes to earth, he came as a servant. Mm. He didn't use his privilege for his own benefit. He found out ways to use it for the benefit of others. And so like, We all probably grew up in traditions where people said, Jesus could have called on the armies of angels to rescue him from the cross, but he didn't. And whether or not you believe that's literally true, the idea is actually powerful. The fact that if we believe Jesus is God, but Jesus chose not to use that power for his own good, but instead spent his life forgiving others, healing others, providing a way for others. That's what we're called to do. How can we as Christians look to our Muslim siblings or our Jewish siblings or our Buddhist siblings and use the privilege we have to make their lives a little bit easier? And that could be anything from advocating at your job for your Muslim colleague to be able to get off work at five o'clock to go pray. uh, If your boss was giving them a hard time, you're not going to lose anything as a Christian for doing that. But um, it's, Very common. We just don't, most people don't talk about religious privilege. And so we don't realize how much, if you're not a Christian and you're trying to express your faith in the society, that it's so difficult to do. And a lot of people are really negatively impacted by it. And so just being aware of it and trying to use our privilege to help others.
0: Okay. So actually going off of this, this is awesome for the first question. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I won't read all of it, but basically the ending of it is how can I get more educated and be more aware on this issue about Christian privilege and stemming off of what you said, I think it is actually a a key point to it, which I think is a major fault. in a lot of people looking at privilege is that they look inward which is, it's necessary, right? You have to do the inside work, but I actually think it's really important to look outside of yourself. Mm. You know, I come from religion as more of like almost an interfaith kind of way. That's how I like to look at it, like the tarot and everything else. And so I think it's really important to have these conversations. That's why I have these conversations with people who are not just Christian on my podcast, because how will I know how I am privileged as a Christian if I know nothing about everybody else, that in of itself is privilege that I don't have to. A, yeah. a Muslim enters this country and they are forced to learn about Christianity, forced to learn about Christian values. I'm not as a Christian. So therefore, it is essential <laughs> that I learn about other people. I think that is a wonderful way to start to understand privilege.
1: Yeah. And I'll recommend a book that was helpful and Really difficult to read, just because it's so scathing as a Christian to hear this critique. But um, the book is called *Living in the Shadow of the Cross: Understanding and Resisting the Power and Privilege of Christian Hegemony*, Um, and it's such a good, thick book that really goes in in depth to how America, in particular, got to where it is today as a, a Christian privileged nation, and how we can actively utilize our privilege day to day to help those of different faiths. So I hope that's helpful for people.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, The next one: um, How, as a future pastor, do I redirect the privilege in a Christian congregation or Mm. other settings for good? Yeah, and it just went away. So I don't know where. (laughs) I don't know where. I I don't know where the question went. Literally, just like dropped down. Okay, well, that was enough to answer the question. So, and this is a great one for you because obviously you come from. Uh,
1: being- yeah, I mean, what we what I did while I was pastoring Mission Gathering was, um, one, opening up our resources for people of other faiths. Um, this, it's often we have this patronizing way of doing things as Christians often. So it's like, let's invite the Muslim imam to come to our church or let's like take a field trip to his mosque. At Mission Gathering, there were religious groups, small religious groups, um, small meditation groups in our neighborhood that didn't have space. use and they were renting space that they didn't have money for and so just opening up our sanctuary once a week and saying hey you can use this space whenever you need it um for whatever reason because we love you and our values following jesus call us to do this and we don't want to convert you we don't want your money um and so i just think training a congregation to think that way that our resources are not ours they've been given to us by god to be good stewards of. And we've got to use them to help the people who have been pushed furthest away from Christianity. And there are no people that have been pushed further away than people of other faiths who see uh, Pat Robertson on TV every week talking about the devil of Islam, or yeah. whatever the heck he's talking about. So
0: kind of going off that one, this one is um, a good one to continue with, as gay Christians, how do we then help to grow the church without being the quote unquote savior? I work through casual conversation and very general invitations, but would appreciate thoughts and input. This one is tricky and I think it really is it's so nuanced. It's depending on what your definition of the church is, what your exact church is, why you are inviting them. Uh, I think there are a lot of specific questions if the church is strictly community and mm-hmm. your invitation is for community and it's not to like the word you use convert, I think that's different. But I think yeah. if you are inviting for conversion, don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. I yeah. think there, I think there is a, a very fine line and it kind of depends on honestly your theology and, and what you think of our, are Christians chosen? Are uh, is Jesus the only way? Um, if you believe that, then um, you know that's a whole other conversation. I think I think um, yeah. it, there's a lot to get into. Um, I don't really believe necessarily that Jesus is the only way. I think there are many paths uh, to a spiritual connection, and I think Jesus is just one of uh, many. And I think he's a it's a beautiful one, but I, I do think there are other ways to get there. Uh, and so if you Believe though that he's the only way, then you do get into the savior mentality uh, that you are truly saving them from hell, um, and that's really hard to get around. But if it's just for community,
1: yeah,
0: have at it. Yeah, go to a
1: potluck. Yes, <laughs> I think. I mean, my for me also the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus at the end of his life says, uh, tells the disciples to go into the world, preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And what's so interesting is that Christians have. Interpreted that in our modern era to mean convert people to believing the right things, the way we see the world. When the commission actually says, teach people to obey all that I commanded you, Jesus called his disciples to show people a new way of living, which was primarily a way of justice, a way of love, a way of giving of yourself for the good of others. And so you can invite people to be a part of that if your church is really committed to justice as its primary core, which is what I think. True followers of Jesus should be committed to, then you'll find people coming to your community at mission gathering. We had uh, two or three gay Muslims that came to our church for years because we weren't trying to make them believe what we believed. They just wanted to be a part of a community that valued what Jesus taught, which was do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. And that worked for their faith, that worked for our faith. So I just think if we're going to, we should be encouraging our churches to not be so ideologically or theologically driven, but more about how we live out our faith. And when you go from that direction, um, I feel like you're gonna be more welcoming and less colonizing and converting to people.
0: Completely. I mean, have you ever been to like a um, Unitarian service? I'm sure you have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the idea of Unitarian Universalism is that you go into a sacred space and you worship with people of all different kinds of faiths and traditions. Um, if y'all haven't done that, I highly recommend it's actually a, I mean, once we can like go out again, but, uh, it is, it is a really, um, spiritual experience. And at first, honestly, I was kind of confused by the concept because I was like, well, if I'm going to worship Jesus and not everyone else is, then doesn't that kind of like defeat my worshiping Jesus, hmm. which is is now I know that type of privilege and, and thinking of of worship in a different way than I do now. So now I can go to a service and really appreciate everyone's differences and, and and see how we're actually all very similar. And I may use Jesus as someone that I look up to, but someone can use another saint that they look up to or whatever they call them. And we're kind of doing the same thing. And the point of the church is really community at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it, it really gets down. It, it, this is a real theological question at the end of the day, at the very base level, because if your theology is that this is a competition for worship, like God is competing with other false gods and you need to make sure your God gets most worship, like, which is how so many of us were taught to think about God, I mean, you're you're gonna have a really hard time grappling with or even seeing that privilege exists in the same way that a lot of people have a really hard time acknowledging that white privilege exists because they've been taught the ideology that skin color doesn't mean anything we're all one level like it takes time to break out of an ideology to begin to see um kind of the insidious ways privilege and power and exploitation happen um and so i'm sure there are folks on uh, watching that are like what are these guys talking about oh my goodness but like this isn't to marginalize you but it's to say "Hey, like." this begins with a reassessing of your theology and uh, rethinking what it means to be a follower of Jesus fundamentally.
0: The last one we can do that just kind of finishes this thought out, does accepting or following, in quotes, Jesus lead to thinking you are wiser than others, more blessed than others, having stronger faith than others? I don't think it does necessarily. I think it
1: can. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I think that uh, just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't necessarily mean you have to see yourself as wiser or better than others. I think a lot of us end up there because our theology does say, um, a lot of us inherited a theology that says there are some that are chosen and some that are not. And if you're God's chosen, of course you think you're superior. (laughs) But uh, the fact is, if you think that people who follow Jesus are the most wise, um, that just reflects poorly on you saying that you, like, you haven't done your research, because go read some writings of Buddhist scholars, go read some writings of Muslim scholars, and you'll find deep, rich wisdom in Rumi, and in uh, tons and tons and tons of other religious texts. There are equal amounts of wisdom, and if we really believe that God is the infinite, expansive, eternal creator, God can speak through so many voices, So many backgrounds, so many traditions, and I actually think that's the more Christ-like and humble posture that we're called to, is to say, let's listen for God in every context, every culture, every background, and if you have that posture, you'll never be able to become that arrogant, uh, wise person, because you'll always know that somebody has something to teach you, and God is trying to speak to you, um, usually in the most unlikely places.
0: And with that, I think it's a great place to stop. Brandon, it's been so
1: great talking yes, with you. you. Please
0: tell everyone where they can keep up with all your amazing work, find you, and yeah.
1: Brandonrobertson.com or Rev Brandon Robertson on TikTok, where I spend most of my days these days. So. Come
0: on over. (laughs) Please check out his TikTok. Oh, my gosh. It has been so wonderful. I love uh, that this has been a part of the conference. I love to be here and with you all again. Brandon, thank you. Thank you so much. Peace out, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation, and I hope it sparked some deep thought. Here are my main takeaways from the discussion. Number one. Privilege is having advantages over other people, being able to participate and be a part of elitist culture, a.k.a. a theme park fast pass. Number two. Some privilege is okay, as long as a person is aware of said privilege and uses it for good. Number three. Christian privilege exists and it is rampant in America. Number four. Examples of Christian privilege include national holidays, Christian-based legislation, the idea that Christianity is the only one true religion, or that Jesus is the only way to salvation. The Christian God is on our money, on our monuments, the ability to live openly and proudly as a Christian. A Christian who happens to be a terrorist is not labeled as a Christian terrorist. However, someone from another religion who happens to be a terrorist would become a spokesperson for for their religion, and the list goes on and on and on. Number five. If you are a person in America, you are forced to know about Christianity, at least the basics, because our society is so seeped in it. But that is not true for any other religion. So educate yourself, continue listening to this podcast, and learn about others outside of your communities. Number six. If you aren't a heretic, you ain't doing it right. Number seven, we do not choose our sexuality, but we do get to choose our religion. So choose wisely if you choose one at all. I have posted links in the show notes for Brandon and Q Christian. Check them out. And again, leaving a quick review for the podcast would mean the world to me. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being willing and open to listen to the sensitive subject matter. I know it's not fun all the time, but we have to talk about it if we ever want to move forward. So thank you for listening and beginning that process. If you're struggling with any of these topics and need help right now, I always post helplines in the show notes, so please do reach out if you need to. Just remember this, you are special, you are purposeful, and you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.